This is the GOAT Level Podcast with your host, the GOAT, the legend, the hero, Van Pugh. So here we go. The DC Defenders have come back down to earth. No, they didn't just come back down to earth. They crashed down on the earth. Like they had come, they was all the way up in space. Then their rocket just pow, crash. Just like that. That's basically how this season has gone the last two weeks. After the first game, I was like, when they lost to L.A., I was like, I hope this ain't one of them teams that they only play well at home and they don't do anything on the road. Because if they're going to be like that, then they're going to be 5-5, five and 6-4. Five, and four. Uh, They might mess around and be 4-6. and six. That's not good. If you're four and six, you might make the second spot in the East, but you're probably not. You're probably out at four and six. I'm just saying. But I don't know what the DC Defenders are doing, bro. Last week, I was like, okay, we got off to a slow start. We had about, what, three turnovers in the first quarter? Cardell had two interceptions. I was like, okay. We was only down 6 nothing after the first quarter. Okay, that's a fluke. Then I was like, okay, so L.A. Wildcats scored like 21 points in the second quarter. Or maybe it was more. But, yeah, I was like, okay, that's no big deal. Like, we – that's just one quarter. Like, And then we lost 39-9. to I was like, eh, no big deal. We'll be back next week. That was just a fluke, you know. We had to travel to the West Coast, and stuff happens. You know, just one game, we could still be 8-1, and 7-2. I mean, 9-1, and 8-2. and two. Then this game happens. So once again, just like last week, I decided to do something else instead of watching the game live. So what happens is I record the game. I record the game way before I leave out. And I watch other games instead of DC. This is the second week in a row I've done this. And it's like deja vu. Both weeks are just deja vu. And I check at halftime in the middle of whatever I'm doing. And they're losing by a lot. This time, it's 16 to nothing. I was like, oh, that's that's bad. <laughs> that's bad. No, 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 no. Actually, when I checked, it was the end of the third quarter, and it was 22 to nothing. I was like, what? what is going on? What are we doing? Last week, it was just turnovers. And this week, we had one turnover. One. You know what really killed us this time? You know what really killed DC Defenders this time? Time of possession. Tampa Bay did just whatever they wanted. And anytime they needed an extra yard, they got it. Anytime they needed an extra yard or two, they got it. It was just defense looked soft. They looked very soft. I mean, I'm looking at this st- these stats right now, and the total net yards, Tampa Bay, 477, D.C., 107. 
Offensive plays, Tampa Bay 80, D.C. 39. Yards per play, Tampa Bay 3.3, D.C. 1.9. Total first downs, which, yeah, that's what really killed us. Though, because Tampa Bay were getting a lot of short yardage situation on second and third down, and they were getting it every time, every time. Those running backs were punishing us. Even the quarterback, when he decided to run, it was a touchdown, that last touchdown they got. This man pushed forward for another yard or two for the touchdown. That's soft. What is that? Total first downs, 29-6, to Tampa Bay. I mean, okay. I think we had... I was looking at the penalties. I don't that doesn't even doesn't matter. Look, turnovers, one and one. We corrected the turnover thing. But we're still not moving the ball. MVP, Cardell Jones. In two weeks, don't even have two hundred yards passing. MVP out the window. The only way he can be MVP, we gotta win the rest of our games and he has to throw at least two hundred yards in every game. Cause the way he playing right now. He's going to be benched next week. And it's going to be the Tyree Jackson show until he messes up and then we put Cardell back in. So I'm noticing about these XFL quarterbacks that the the ones that started week one, only like two of them are like three of them are consistent and will finish the rest of the season. And that's P.J. Walker, Jordan Tiamu, or whatever his name is, Tamu or Tiamu, and I'm blanking on the third one, but I know this, Josh Johnson, and he was hurt week one. Those are the three most consistent quarterbacks in the league. Everyone else is inconsistent and have gotten benched, they're hurt, or they're about to get benched. So, I mean, if we go like that, then that means it's a wrap. That means it's going to be because L.A. keep losing, even though they got Josh Johnson. They're still 1-3. I don't know how the hell they lost in New York. But, actually, I, I know exactly how. But, <laughs> but if we go like that, it looks like it's going to be Houston and St. Louis. And D.C. will be lucky to be in second place for the East Final in the Dome in St. Louis, and that looked like a scary place to play. Scary place to play, but Seattle almost beat them. But still a scary place to play, especially for an offense that, I'm going to be real with you, has been inconsistent. The best the offensive played is against New York, and that's because the defense kept giving them short fields and the defense was getting the other offense off the field. This game, I mean, neither unit, neither unit is helping the other. Neither unit is helping the other. Tampa Bay had 266 yards rushing. Both running backs went over 100 yards. Taylor Cornelius, who... He's like the third-string quarterback, maybe the second. This man had 200-something yards passing 
and he rushed for a touchdown. You got to be kidding me. They didn't give our our offense didn't give our defense a chance. They kept going three and out, so that kept our defense on the field, and they kept getting punished. So, well, maybe they're not soft. Maybe they were tired because the offense is doing absolutely nothing. We never had a run game, never had a run game, and Cardell Jones is not playing well. I don't know what it is that third down play calls, but I haven't seen them convert a third down in forever. I know they're trying to get Pumphrey the ball, but they're doing a bad job at it. Because he'll have a flash in the pan plays every now and then. But other than that, he ain't doing nothing. He's useless. Like, we ain't moving the ball. You got to be kidding me. Now, I bought the mini season ticket plan. I bought the half season ticket plan. So I got tickets to the next three games. I better see something. And if the weather bad, if the weather is bad and y'all playing bad, I'm gone. I'm bolting. Cause I don't need to see all this nonsense. Y'all need to get it together, because right now, I'm starting to notice the XFL is pretty competitive. No one's really separating. But maybe St. Louis is just a notch above everybody else right now in the Eastern Conference. And it's looking like the Eastern Conference is going to go through them. Now, they played Dallas tough and they beat them. And they didn't have Landry Jones, but did it matter? I mean, the way Landry Jones turned the ball over, I don't know if it matters if they have him or not. But... He was turning the ball over in their two wins, but they were still winning. That's pretty much Dallas with Landry Jones. The defense is tough. They'll keep the team in it. Landry will throw a bunch of interceptions, and yet in the fourth quarter, he'll show poise, and he'll drive the team down the field, and they just and they just win the game. Like he, he drives them down the field, and then they got two running backs. They got Lance Dunbar and Cameron Artis Payne. Like, that Dallas team is no joke when everyone's healthy. But it, it is a competitive league. It looked like Houston and St. Louis is a notch above everybody. But I feel like those two teams are beatable as well. They're definitely beatable. All St. Louis games were close except the New York game because New York started Mac McGloin. That's literally the only reason why that game wasn't close. So, these teams are beatable, but until something changes, it's going to be Houston versus St. Louis in the XFL championship. But hopefully, the competitiveness of this league continues, and then it'll be up for grabs, and the two playoff spots will be up for grabs. Tampa Bay just put themselves back in it. They're only a game out of the second spot. They got to play New York twice. So they beat, no, they already lost to New York. They got blown out. I think in Tampa Bay, they've played well at home, by the way. In Tampa Bay, they're, they'll probably get New York. They'll probably get them because they don't know what they're doing at quarterback. I mean, Perez is better than McGloin, but that's because he don't turn the ball over. He ain't that much better than McGloin, but he's better. Okay? So that's the thing. So until DC gets it together, 
to be honest, even though they're loafing right now, there's still a trash heap for those four spots. Those four spots are up for grabs. Well, to be honest, that second spot is up for grabs because I think St. Louis is going to take that first spot. I started thinking that last week. Now, the defense does the best they can. Now, they only held they held um, Tampa Bay to nine points in the second half. They did what they could, man. But when they're on the field a lot and the offense not giving them anything, maybe they aren't soft. I apologize for calling them soft. Maybe they aren't soft. Maybe they're tired. Tired of the offense loafing. So that's why it's just it's a struggle. And you facing a team like Tampa Bay who's just going to run it down your throat and punish you, it's going to be hard. So you got these two home games. Against two tough opponents, but beatable opponents. St. Louis, beatable, but tough. Dallas, we don't know if Landry Jones going to be there because he got that knee injury. If they don't have Landry Jones, we'll beat him. But I don't know how we're going to score in that defense. I Hopefully, they get in the lab and they figure things out so we can get some points on the board. Because if not, Dallas is going to come here and beat us, and we're going to be 3-3. Three and three. Or, at worst, two and four. Hopefully, best case scenario, like, we beat St. Louis, we take back first place, and then we win again, and we're four and two, and we, you know, we have a firm grip on first place. D.C. still has a chance to host the Eastern Finals, but it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. They better figure things out. Because Cardell Jones hasn't done anything in two weeks. He hasn't. And you know what's crazy about the XFL this weekend? All those games were close, except D.C. and Tampa Bay. All those other games were one-score games. That is a shame. Embarrassing ourselves, man. Come on. Now, back to this Howard basketball thing. Howard is too... And 27. <laughs> oh, my God. These guys haven't won a game since December. They have not. And you know what's funny? They beat their old rival, the not real HU, the fake HU, Hampton. That was their last win. Hampton, their arch rival. That not that great? Their last win was in 2019 against their arch rival. They haven't won a game in 2020. And like I said before, they only have two main scorers, CJ and Wayne Bristol Jr. Wayne Bristol Jr. is a a slower, more methodical, longer version of CJ. So you got those two. Zion will get you, barely get you a double-double. Um, Nate Garvey is a three-point shooter, mostly. He'll, I mean, he led them in scoring against Norfolk State, but that's it. I mean, he'll he'll pop off every now and then, but no. And then they're not really getting much production from anybody else. Everyone else, they're just hustling defense. That's what I'm starting to notice. Those young freshmen on the bench, and maybe in the in the mix of veterans they got coming off the bench, like Prince Will and. I don't know. I haven't heard from Kyle Foster or, or Raymond Bethea. 
I don't know what's going on over there, man. They're still now. They did hang tough with North Carolina Central until North Carolina Central blew it open and took a 25-point lead. And I'm just like, yeah, there's no coming back from that. Howard tried to, like, cut into it, but it's too late, man. You get down like that at Central with Moten leading the charge at coach, you're done. You're done. You're not coming back. You're not coming back. Same thing happened in Norfolk, but Norfolk was even worse. They got down by a lot. Then I guess they made their usual late first half run. And then, according to the recap, their depth really cost them. Their lack of depth cost them. And they in Norfolk State wore them out and hit a bunch of threes and blew them out by 30. Now, the game, the game in D.C. was competitive. It was closer than that. So I was like, maybe they just didn't show up. They didn't. CJ went one for 10. Wayne Bristol Jr. only had 11. That's not a recipe. And when you do that in a tournament, you get blown out by whoever you play against. And Nate Garvey had 16, and I assume nobody else had more than 10. I assume. So they lost to Central by 15. They lost to Norfolk State by 30. Now, we'll say this. Those are two of the best teams in the MEAC. But those are two of the teams you have to get through to win the MEAC championship. But Howard will get past them. You didn't see Norfolk State twice, and I know you can beat Central. But when the MEAC tournament starts next week, I guess it's next week, when it starts next week, they will most likely play against Coppin State or South Carolina State. Now, they lost to South Carolina State by six, one on one I wasn't at that game for whatever reason. I was doing Lord knows what. They gave up 101 points. That's the most they've given up all season. But they scored 95. But the fact, the point is, they can beat them. They lost to Coppin State twice. And they were with, they were within ten points both games. I I think, and I sat there and watched the Coppin State game the second time, and I saw them erase a twenty-two point deficit and cut it to three. Man, come on! I know they can beat Coppin State, and then after you beat Coppin State, then that's when you got to play the, the, the wall. You got to get through the hurdle of. Norfolk State or North Carolina Central or A&T. You got to play one of those three. I think, honestly, you got to beat those three in a row because they're going to be the last seed. They're going to be the number 10 seed because Florida A&M is on probation. If it wasn't for Florida A&M being on probation, they wouldn't even make the tournament. So you're going to have to beat them one, two, three to go to Dayton. Because you're going to Dayton. You have the worst RPI in this in the country. You're going if you win the tournament, you're going to Dayton. So, but they will win the tournament. You know why? Hot shooting. I noticed against Central, they shot 40%. If they can do that in the tournament and make more threes and play some defense, hot shooting and defense, I'm telling you right now. They really got to pressure people. They really got to pressure the ball. 
if they do that, I'm telling you right now, and CJ averaged like 20, and Wayne Bristol Jr., if they both average 20, and they get solid contributions from everyone, and Zion gets a double-double, I'm telling you right now, they will win the MEAC tournament. And you think I'm playing, I'm not playing. Now, one of my other teams, Oklahoma, OU men basketball, two big wins. They beat West Virginia, and they beat Texas Tech. They beat Texas Tech in Oklahoma City. Why was that game in Oklahoma City? Any of my OU fans listening, just tell me. Like, why was that game in Oklahoma City? It doesn't matter. I guess it helped. They won. They won. But, But to be honest, they almost beat them in Lubbock. So maybe it's a matchup thing. Maybe they match up with them pretty well. Doesn't matter. OU got them two wins. They own the bubble. They just got two ranked wins. That's going to help. That's going to help big time. Now, let's not be one and done in the freaking Big 12 tournament. Because every time I see them in the Big 12 tournament, outside of when they have Buddy, they're one and done. I'm tired of that, man. Come on, man. This is the year. This is the year to win some... Big 12 tournament games, and to boost our resume. Because right now, I think we're a little bit above the bubble, bubble, but we're still in that 10-11 range, just like pretty much the last two years. But last year, we ended up a 9, which I guess what really helped us is we blew out Kansas. That really helped. But <laughs> it's going to be tough, man. I'm telling you this right now. So... OU, two big wins. I love it. I love it. I think they're going to make the tournament. I don't know if they're going to win that first game. And then the second game, they're going to get one of these top teams. They're going to get a Duke. They're going to get maybe. No, they're not going to get Baylor that early. They're going to get a Duke. They're going to get a Gonzaga. It's going to be really tough then. (laughs) I'm telling you, they... They might get a, a a San Diego State. Mm, they might beat a San Diego State. But they're going to get a tough team like that in the second round if they win the first round game. I'm ready for it. I'd love to see them. If they're in Cleveland, I'll consider going. I might go to Cleveland and watch the first round games with Zach anyway. It's strictly a money move, though. Do Will I have the money to go? Will I not have the money to go? That will be the biggest factor on whether or not I go see these tournament games. Now, off of college basketball, Bradley Bill and Trey Young, those are my two favorite players in the league. Trey Young, I've been a fan ever since I saw him in the state playoffs his junior year at Norman North. I was like, this is the best high school player I've ever seen in my life. I've been a Bradley Bill fan basically since he, well, not got drafted. Because when he got drafted, I was like, who? I didn't know who he was. He played for Florida, but Florida was irrelevant. They weren't that good back then. This was after the Joe Kim Noah, Billy Donovan era. Joe Kim Noah, Al Horford, that squad. This was after that. So they weren't as good. But yet still, he was number three, and I remember my cousin telling me, this guy is like Ray Allen. This guy is like the next Ray Allen. And lo and behold, he's doing Ray Allen-type stuff. 
honestly, this season, he looks better than Ray Allen, even when even at Ray Allen's best. So he is unreal. So they both on bad teams that don't play defense. The Wizards are a little bit better because they have more veterans. They have better veteran pieces. That's why they're a little bit better than the Hawks. That's why, well, they split. The Hawks and the Wizards split. Both took one at home. And the Hawks and Wizards, I already got my ticket. I don't play around. Like, Trey Young has been to D.C., what, this is fourth time? And barring some unforeseen circumstances, this will be the third out of fourth time I've seen Trey Young play in D.C. Like, I don't mess around. I love watching this kid. And I better watch him as much as I can now before the tickets get unreal, before the tickets get crazy expensive in the future once his team gets good and Trey Young becomes larger than life. Because <laughs> right now he's still got a lot of haters, which – then he gets caught up in the whole Luka Doncic comparison thing. It's it's annoying. Don't sleep on this kid, please. He's really good. He has a nice work ethic. I really like this kid. I mean, I he's a beast, and I'm a huge fan. You know, um, I hated the Hawks before they got Trey Young. Now that they got Trey Young, I love them. Even though they in our division, and they're gonna give us problems. For the next about six or seven years. <laughs> or as long as they keep Trey Young. They can give us problems. And Trey and um Bradley Bill and John Wall aren't getting any younger. They just aren't. So <laughs> the Hawks, they're going to be a problem. And that's fine. As long as Trey Young does well, I'm good with it. But these stats are ridiculous. These stats are ridiculous. Like, Trey Young averages 29 a game. He averages 29 a game. I think he averaged like 29 and 8. Like, that is sick. That is, that is sick. He averages 29 and 9. He's this close to averaging 30 and 10. Are you kidding me? This guy just might be the greatest point guard ever. He can be. He can be. He has potential. Now, as soon as he played defense, it's a wrap. I'm going to keep saying that. Um, Bradley Bill is averaging 30. He's averaging 30 a game. He's averaging 36 and 4. He's averaging 30 points, 4 rebounds, 6 assists. Man, both of these guys are amazing, and they're facing off on Friday, and it is going to be a crazy game. All right, two more things before I get out of here. Um, Howard plays Merlin Eastern Shore tonight. Merlin Eastern Shore looks like the eighth seed in the MEAC tournament. They can beat Merlin Eastern Shore. Now, I know Merlin Eastern Shore beat them by double digits already. That was early in the season, and that was at Merlin Eastern Shore. I think Howard can take them tonight. I do. If they don't, I mean, I won't be surprised. But Howard was still going to win the MEAC tournament. They're still your MEAC tournament champs. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, 
And then Howard on Thursday plays Delaware State, my dad and my sister's alma mater. Alma mater. They are the second worst team in the country. And they are the second worst team in the MEAC. However, they beat North Carolina Central by double digits. That scares me. That scares me. So, that's going to be tough. But I think we can beat them. They're still the second worst team in the country. (laughs) They're still the second worst team in the MEAC. And it's senior night. The all-time leading scorer in Howard history, in MEAC history. Our family, I mean, his family and our family, we already got shirts made for him. And we're going to see CJ in his last home game, and we're going to enjoy it, man. It's going to be emotional, but you know I'm ready for it, man. I'm ready. I'm ready for it. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun for sure. Oh, and one last thing. One last thing. Why are there so many OU Twitter MILFs? There are so many, for freak's sake. And I just found another one. Karen Brooklyn, sweetest thing on Twitter. Oh, my God. Like, And she's cute. Um, You got her. You got freaking uh, t- ton of these people, bro. It's just too many. Like, way too many. I'm like, okay, why there's so many? Why do they like Twitter so much? Why do they tweet so much? I don't know. I'm just going to enjoy it. But I'm going to make sure I don't get too ahead of myself and don't get too geeked over them. Because remember, it's Twitter. It's not really real. That's bad grammar. But (laughs) it's Twitter, man. You don't really know them. That's all I'm going to say. And it's it's all lust. I'm just going to enjoy their content and enjoy them being Oklahoma sports fans. And when football season starts, you know, all of us, men, women, whatever, we all going to come together and we're going to root on our Sooners, man. Hopefully they do something this year with um, with the with the kid at quarterback, with Spencer Rattler at quarterback. He has the right attitude. He has the right skill set. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. I'm not going to geek him yet. I'm not going to be all, you know, on his bandwagon yet. But let's see what happens. Let's see what happens, man. I I hope if we go eight and four, the world is gonna collapse. <laughs> like our we don't do four losses at OU. I hope that doesn't happen. Maybe we're in the playoffs again. And hopefully we break through. But something tells me Georgia, LSU, Alabama eventually we'll break through. Clemson eventually will break through. But, hey, I'll talk about OU football later. The spring game is around the same time as the XFL playoffs. So that's going to be tough for me. But it's okay. It's all good. It's sports, and I'm going to enjoy all of it. So with that being said, I'm out. Peace. Thanks for listening to another episode of the GOAT Level Podcast. Make sure you share, subscribe, and get money.